0: life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're
1: through. You'll be set for life. So Elisha now had a direct confirmation of his calling. And guys, I'll tell you, a confirmation of calling is the most confidence building, encouraging thing you could have as any kind of minister at all. I was with Dove in Israel. The first day I was in Israel, we woke up to a prayer meeting at Eric's house and there was believers in all in the room. And my thing, when I go to another country is shut up, don't talk, don't stick your foot in your mouth just be quiet, do what everybody else does. If they go in the house with their shoes off, you take yours off too, all that kind of stuff. Take your hat off, all that. I don't want to get myself involved with anybody too quick. I just got to feel things out. We just woke up the next morning. So we're in there and I'm being quiet. I'm in the back, away from everybody. And this guy points at me and says, I've got a word for that guy right there. And he pointed at me and I'm like, this is exactly what I don't want. (laughs) And he said, when I saw you, I saw a tower. But I want you to know the Lord has taken that tower down and dismantled it and thrown it away, and you can't go back to it anymore. He has given you a love for the Jewish people. What he didn't know, and I I I got him later uh, to expand on this, was that I had quit a twenty-year career in radio and I walked away from working at tower sites, and I was still scared. I made a mistake. I'm in Israel. Lord, did I do right or not? Am I really called to this right or not? You know, for real or not? And this man told me this. That's when I knew that my career was gone. The Lord took it down, dismantled it, and took it away. And, I, and now, I'm, this is it. And I had to go to Israel to get it. And what a better place to get it than going to Israel to get that confirmation of your calling. So I'm looking at Elijah, Elisha here, and he's like, okay, it's on. <laughs> Hard to talk about, but it's on. And you know, with that confidence, he can go forward and do it, despite all the people that tell you you can't do it. You're not gonna do well, you're boring, nobody likes to listen to you. So what? The Lord called me to this. I even one time had a pastor tell me, you are not called. Before I went into it. A pastor. Yeah, I'd like to find him. (laughs) So I'm just with I'm with Elisha in this picture. Wow, okay. This is great. Sad to leave what I had to leave, but I know. I know beyond knowing I know that the Lord gave this to me. Now, back then, chariots and horses, they were the, uh, the greatest weapons of warfare that existed at the time. And so God spoke by this chariot and by horses of fire that his power was superior to that of any military that was on earth. Again, we're thinking back to the Egyptians when the sea parted they come down in their chariots and their horses to wipe those, the Israelites out. Nothing happened, okay? They weren't touched. I'm thinking Elisha would be thinking a lot. Man, I just saw water's part. I got these horses and chariots over here. Man, this okay, we'll do it. That means when God tells me to go face somebody off with military power, I shouldn't be afraid of him because I remember them horses and them chariots. So God's power was superior to that of any military. And Elijah also had demonstrated the same power when kings had tried to take him down. We can remember that in past uh, studies. And so Elisha got to visibly see a visual representation of the same power that had been with Elijah now came down to be with him. How would you like to suddenly get used to that responsibility all of a sudden? Whoa, I got to do things that he did? That's heavy. So, uh, when God took Elijah up into His very presence with a whirlwind—whirlwind, whirlwind, think of like a tornado—it just kind of took him up, and he was gone. And Elisha tore his clothes, as people did in those days, as an act of mourning and distress. Elijah, my father, is gone. Tore his clothes; he's in distress. He just got called. He just got got the juice, but he's distressed. I remember my own so well. (laughs) I left my job and pastor time hit and it's on and people are coming in. Did what you study, is it going to ring with them or not? I don't know. I was distressed. I was for a long time. I still walk up to the pulpit. If you ever look at me, if you ever look at my hands, they shake. (laughs) One of my top biggest fears in the world has always been public speaking. No, I don't buy it right. It still is. I just got to suck it up and deal with it. I I got my issues, okay? Elisha had his. He tore his clothes. 2 Kings 2.13. He also took up the mantle. Look at that. Everything was taken of Elijah but that mantle. Hello. You would think the mantle would have gone up with him. He was wearing it at, at a time. The mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. See, God gave him that symbol of authority. And he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Okay, so you got this guy with a cloak. He gets pulled up into a whirlwind. And that same mantle that he proved God's authority with just fell back down. It was the only part of Elijah that, that remained. You can't tell me that this isn't God in complete control here. So I'm left wondering, what was Elijah experiencing? Not Elisha, Elijah. What was Elijah experiencing at this time right now? It must have been quite an adventure. <laughs> I just shot up a tornado, <laughs> okay? And now I'm with the Lord. You know, whenever someone dies, you think about, man, I wonder what they must be going through right now. Oh, it must be great. I'm thinking about Elijah at this point because he didn't die, guys. He, he went up as he was. There's not been, hardly anybody ever done this before, okay? Quite an adventure. But apparently after he was taken up, the clothing, the mantle fell to the ground showing that he had truly been taken up and completely and was now gone. Elijah is gone. And remember, symbol of authority, and it's now in Elisha's hands. I mean, he's getting confirmation of calling after the next after the next. I thought my story was great, and it is, but look at this. God's given him every bit of assurance. Yes, I did call you to this. You don't need to worry about what's coming. I'll deal with it. You just go. I really needed that. I'm telling you, up until that time we went to Israel, I was kind of... My thought process was, okay, Lord, I left. I left my job. I'm in Israel. I'm full-time ministry. If it doesn't work, at least I tried. And then he confirmed it. I'm like, whoa, this is real. And And then it started to freak me out a little bit. But here's Elisha with all the confirmation. And so his first inclination... You know, when, when I get something like electronics or something before when I used to work on radios, the first thing you do is you test it. I want to see if this thing works. So he's got this cloak. Let's go try it out. <laughs> I got to know. I mean, it's not, not that enough has happened already. I saw him go. That was the sign. Great. The cloak fell. That's number two. Well, let's go test the cloak. He was told three times, stay back. And now three times, we're going to test this out. Three to three. Okay, he's going to go test it out. So he went to see if the Jordan would part for him the same way it did for Elijah. And when he asked, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He did that because people were watching and he called upon the Lord so they could recognize that he had been transferred this authority and this power that he had expected to receive. And then it parted and everybody said he called upon the Lord he used the symbol of the Lord's authority, and look, it worked. Elisha's it. He's the guy now. Second 2 Kings 2:15. 2, now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, "Here you go, guys. the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha." And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Then they said to him, "Look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants." Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to him, and and when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, "Did I not say to you, do not go?" Okay, um, these prophets they recognized the transfer of authority and the power to Elisha, so they paid respect to his calling. But people just have this way about them; they didn't know what Elisha knew that Elijah's taken up was directly to the Lord there they were thinking, well, maybe it's some kind of a spiritual transport. He moved off somewhere else or something like that. So we need to go look for him. And so since Elisha knew their search would never find him, he told them not to bother with it. But my problem is why did they insist on going anyway? Why did they insist on going? See, people get locked into this thing of following a person. They get to follow a person, a certain individual. And when that transfer changes, they still want to follow that one person. And I went through this uh, a a long time ago. Now, before we get into this, I will say right now, and let me make a disclaimer, this is none of this is Dove Schwartz's fault, okay? (laughs) I'm not trying to paint a picture. One of the few things, right? But when the church pastorate was handed over to me, and we actually made a little celebration thing about it. Somebody made a little baton, and they put little stars and stripes and stuff on it. Dove actually handed this little paper towel roll thing over to me, and I took it, it as like a symbol. Here you go. You're it now. A lot of the people quit the church. They left. They'll do it. And I had the baton. I still have it in my office. <laughs> you know, it's not going to last long, but I still have it. It's just what people do. They have a clinginess. And again, it's not Dove's fault. It's just what people do. We got so used to this guy. Okay, look, the spirit rests on Elisha. Okay, where'd Elijah go? So what are you, what are you, what are you doing? He's, he's taken. The, the transfer happened here. You're not going to find him. Well, we're going to go. Well, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And they pastored him to us. Okay, Go look for three days, see what you come up with. They didn't find him. He said, I told you. I've been through that. I'm guys. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm relating with Elisha the whole time. We had a lot of people up and left the people that made the baton. They left. I'm just saying, I, I mean, God bless them. I pray they're doing well where they're at, but there's just something about when that happens that people don't go with it. They just don't. They had such a clinginess to Elijah that even though they saw Elisha part the water, they weren't fully ready to listen to him yet. Not like they did to Elijah. So Elisha let him search. I told you not to look. It's typical of people that even though they see the torch passed, they're still not ready to accept the new guy. I've been there and... I'm sure you've seen it in your own cases too. 2 Kings 2.19 Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. Okay, so word got around about Elisha. So the leaders come out and they're like, Hey, let's use him for this bad water problem. He's doing things. Let's go ask him about it. The water was... Killing their crops, I'm sure people were getting sick off of it. Uh, I think the term for water like that is called brackish. It means it's very salinated, or if that's the word, or salty, or something. It had a lot of salt content. It was killing their crops and making and people couldn't really drink off of it that well. Second Kings two and twenty, and he said, "Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it." Hello, what? put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Okay, guys, the last thing you want to do, the last thing you want to do to brackish salty water is put more salt in it. That's the problem in the first place is it's too salty. You can't use it. Bring me a big new bowl full of salt. And they brought it he goes, because right, I'm going to throw it right. At what are you doing? That's the problem. And he threw the salt straight in there. And so Elisha, I got to thinking about it, him throwing the salt into the source of the water was a lot like the same method that Elijah used when he intended to burn that sacrifice on Mount Carmel, but he commanded lots of water to be poured on it. This is the same technique I see at work here. Did he not receive the transfer of authority or not? He's operating the same way. The last thing you want to do on a sacrifice that you intend to burn is pour water on it. The last thing you want to do to salty water is throw salt in it. So you can see how Elisha really got that double portion. He's doing things the same way that Elijah did. So now remember, these people of Jericho, they had worshipped Baal for a long, long time. That's been the whole problem through the, this in the past book before. They're worshipping Baal, their god of fertility and life. Hello, fertility in life. And you can't grow crops and everybody's getting sick. But we're going to serve this God of fertility. So if Baal were real, he would have been able to fix their water problem, which would have then made the crops grow and the people wouldn't have been sick from it. Guys, this is an opportunity here that the Lord was going to use to demonstrate his superior authority over their false religious system, just like he did on Mount Carmel. The same way. The Lord was about to prove that Baal was a false god by healing the water of its bitterness so that the people could have their vitality back again. And he did it in the most backwards way you thought he would have done it, by throwing salt in a salty well. Sometimes when you pray for the Lord to do something, and he does what you think is completely backwards from what you asked for, just write it out and watch what happens, is what I'm saying. (laughs) So also notice that when Elisha had cleansed the water, he said, put it in a new bowl, a new bowl. Why not an old bowl? Why not any old bowl? You know, I got a new bowl, but it's five miles from here. It'd be a lot quicker if I just got that one in my house right there. No, get a new bowl. Why not? Why use a new bowl? He did this to show the people that the power of God has now been transferred from Elijah to a new vessel. There's a new vessel at work here now. Remember the prophets, oh, we gotta go find Elijah. He's said, like, no, new vessel. And I think the new bowl was for them to understand what's going on here. The Lord's gonna heal, but there's a new vessel carrying. So Elisha, he left the people with a fresh water well. Now they would know that serving false gods like Baal brings bitter barrenness, it brings sickness and death. But the Lord God is a God of life who purifies and heals. What an amazing story. This is absolutely incredible. If the Bible doesn't excite you, you're not reading it. Second Kings 2:23. Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. (laughs) What are you going to do with that one, Ray? (laughs) That's not the ones you see posted on office walls somewhere. Oh, they mauled all the bears. God sent them. Mauled all the kids. That's not the fluffy ones. I've actually literally seen people on talk shows use this passage to say that the God of the Bible is barbaric. Just totally blowing it out. No context whatsoever. First off, these youths were not exactly children. They were young men. This is the same exact thing as getting confronted by a bunch of wild gang members on the street. You're walking along and here they all come out and they're, they're up at you, right? It's not a good position to be in. And Elisha was severely... Outnumbered. They were threatening. They were mocking him. They were denying the power that he had just demonstrated in Jericho. And the reason they said, Go up, bald head, is because they were not only just mocking the way he looked, but basically they were saying, If you're a real prophet like Elijah was, then go up to heaven like he did. Go up, bald head. If you're like Elijah, then why don't you just get on out of here and go up and get out of our sight like he did? It's kind of like saying, We're glad Elijah's gone. Why don't you go up with him? Get out of here. We don't want you around. I, um, I think these uh, these guys were Baal worshippers is the reason they were acting like that. The prophets foresaw what was coming for Elisha, but these guys were in opposition to it. You see where they stand. So if you remember on Mount Carmel, after the sacrifice was burned off the offer uh, off the altar. Orders were given to kill all the prophets of Baal because the Lord was not going to have more of His beloved Israelites to be corrupted by this kind of belief system. So what you have here is the same thing with these youths; they were like young false prophets. You had the prophets that met Elisha coming in, but you've got false prophets. You've got your your God prophets and your devil prophets all in the land of Israel. Now he's facing off the opposite; he's facing the opposition that the prophets of Baal. And so obviously the Lord had been proving himself to the young prophets of the Lord who would honor him, but now he's taking out the false prophets of Baal who would mock him. Now, if these false young prophets were, or, or the young guys of Baal were still allowed to exist in Israel, there would just be further corruption, which is exactly going against what the Lord's trying to do. And so the Lord used bearers to execute judgment against these guys. Hey, we saw the Lord have to execute judgment against one of his own prophets not too long ago. When he did something wrong, he sinned against the Lord. And because the message was so big and such a national level, the payment had to be heavy too. Which was why I'm saying the payment on Jesus was heavy too because it's on a worldwide scale. But now, the judgment was against these 42 guys. It says that 42 of them were mauled. 42. 42. This means a demonstration was staged beforehand to catch him, Elisha, to protest against him, to plan a planned protest against the Lord. And you know, there's that old phrase that angry moms say whenever a bad guy dares mess with her children, I'm going to go mama bear on you. And I really got to thinking about this. This gives you a whole fresh look on that, doesn't it? Going mama bear on somebody. So whenever bad guys try to mess with God's children, he will go mama bear on them. And he did it here, just like he did to the Baal worshipers on Mount Carmel. He did it to protect Elisha, but also to stop them from hindering the spiritual healing of the rest of Israel. The Lord God protects his children. We had somebody sneaking around over here. We went in there. We protect our children. This is the Lord God protecting his children. That's what it is. It's not barbarism. It's protecting children. Any one of you, somebody messed with your kids, you would go mama bear on them too, wouldn't you? Enough said. Talk shows, take that. All right. 2 Kings 2.25. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Now, the fact that Elisha went directly to Mount Carmel, I'd be willing to bet you the reason he went there is because people at Carmel remembered how the Lord destroyed their bell worship with fire that one time with, uh, in 1 Kings 18. That was with Elijah. So after news of Elijah's departure came, some of the people might have been thinking, okay, he's gone now. We can get back to bell worship again. Why don't we crank that whole thing right back up? Elijah's out of here. We have nobody against us. So guess where Elijah goes? He goes right up to Mount Carmel. No, uh don't you do it. It's still on. <laughs> New vessel. He went to show them a reminder, you better not turn back to bell because the Lord is still here working.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com.
1: Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life, you'll have all you need, just receive with a willing
0: heart. You'll be set for life, you'll be on your way, any day you decide to start.